Welcome to the Breaking the Tax Code podcast, your secret weapon to understanding your personal and business taxes, saving money, and the latest headline hype. Each episode breaks down important tax talk into easy-to-understand terms so you can get busy saving money or growing your business. And now for your host, with over 30 years of tax and saving money experience, tax expert, Karosh Moassasi. Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast. It's going to be short, sweet, and to the point because we are down to the brass tacks of tax deadline, which is just a few days away. And so we're going to jump right into our topic today. I'm Caroline. I'm your co-host along with Kurosh. And Kurosh, let's go right away. We're, we're there. Tuesday's right around the corner. What do we need to do? Do we panic? Do we run? Do we scream? Do we cry? Do we head to the beach? Lead us to the light. Well, we can definitely go to the beach on the 19th. That's what I plan to do. I'm sitting here looking at the blue sky. It's been a tough winter. But I tell you, for accountants and tax preparers, having a tough winter that you cannot really go outside is actually a blessing because we are just stuck in the room and we say, well, we may as well just do some work and uh, you know, forget about the blue sky. But yeah, you're right. Tuesday. Tuesday is the day that, you know, that uh, everything is going to happen for most of the taxpayers in this country. And I personally am looking forward to it because I finally get the chance to sleep more than four hours a day. So what I wanted to talk to you today uh, was pretty much what to do about this tax deadline that is coming up. Don't panic. The world is not going to end. There's always extensions. You have till October 16th to do it. So rest assured that not all hell is going to break loose. However, you have to understand, I had a situation today actually from a client telling me that I want to extend payments. So can you file an extension? I said, well, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you want to extend payment, but extension filing is actually for the actual paper filing. It's not extending the payments. You can certainly extend the payment, but keep that in mind. The IRS is really not generous, and you will be assessed interest and penalties for late payment. You know, So that's something that you have to keep in mind that if you're not organized, if you don't have your stuff together, if the weather is nice and you'd rather be outside, play than actually gather up all your documents, then, you know, file for an extension and uh, do your paperwork later. But do make some sort of payment at least. Attempt to make some sort of payment to reduce any interest and penalties that could be assessed on your tax return. If you feel that you're going to get a refund, then no, you don't need to worry about it. But you still have to file the extension to, to file later. So that's pretty much you know, what you need to think about for the Tuesday deadline that we need to deal with. 
I have a question for you. So you made a comment about attempt to make payment. So what I'm curious about here is let's say I am going to request for an extension. So we're going to file the extension, but I need to make a payment. What does that mean? Does it mean partial payment? Does that mean full payment? Does that mean a guesstimation? Because I wouldn't fully know, right, what I owe. So how does that work? Well, you know, the way that the extension actually works with both the IRS and state agencies, the rule the IRS code says that you have to make reasonable attempt to figure out how much you project that you're going to be owing. So you can't just put zero in there and say, well, I project to owe zero or I project to owe 10,000 bucks or whatever amount you, you think is appropriate. You have to make some sort of an attempt. Now, keep that in mind. None of us are genies. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what deductions we are entitled to or what our accountant is going to be doing. So the reasonable amount that you come up with, let's say is your 10,000. If you have the 10,000, go for it. Make that payment to IRS. If you don't have that 10,000, you still go ahead and report that you project to owe 10,000, but you have chosen not to make any payment. So at least the IRS would see that you've made an attempt to figure out what you think you're going to be owing. The other hand, the other side is that if you think you're going to owe 10,000, you can always send 500 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever. You know, just attempt to pay something. Again, you don't have to. It would be nice to make that payment, but attempt to make it look good that you put an attempt that you came off with what project the tax liability is going to be. But again, I stress on the fact that if you think you're going to get a refund, because there's a lot of people who receive refunds every year, mainly because they are always overwithheld on their salaries or wages, or they've paid too much in quarterly taxes. So they think for sure they're going to get a refund. Then no, you don't have to project anything, but you are required to file the extension regardless. Okay. So one more quick question here. So let's say I file my extension. I'm pretty sure I'm going to owe 10,000 and I decided not to pay. So I can still just file that, but do I need to indicate on there that I will be paying? Like, I guess I'm a little confused as to the person who thinks that they can extend payment and not extend the filing. Good question. There are actually two lines on the bottom of the tax extension form. One line says, what do you think you're going to owe? You put 10,000. Then the line below that is, how much are you paying? So you can put on that line, I'm paying 10,000, I'm putting 10 bucks, I'm making zero, you know. So there are two lines. Those are the lines that the IRS for the extension purposes actually looks at it. So that's the difference. That is the difference. Okay, now that makes sense. Thank you. I needed that clarity. Right, right. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about this uh, whole tax deadline and all that. Well, we are we are in spring, you know, the birds are out there singing and, you know, weather is finally warmed up and uh, it's time to do spring cleaning, 
during some cultures, actually, the first day of spring, you know, people have the tendency to go and clean house. So this is actually the best time to do some spring cleaning. I'm asked all the time, you know, Kurosh, we, you know, our attic is packed with boxes. Our garage is packed with boxes. These are all tax documents, receipts, and invoices, and yada, yada. What, what do you think we should do on this? Get rid of anything that is older than five years. You do not need to keep invoices, credit card statements, receipts, charitable donations, none of that crap. You don't need to keep those that are older than five years, including tax return copies. You know, of course, nobody keeps copies these days because they all save it on the computer. That's where it is, or or the cloud. So what I'm saying is that get rid of those. There is only one item that I would like you to keep. And those are escrow statements. Let's say, just like me, in my situation, I bought a house 1998. It was a fixer-upper. It really needed a lot of work. So I put a lot of money into this house by hiring a contractor, by upgrading all the appliances and so much. Those are the kind of receipts that you actually do need to keep. Now, why do you need to keep those? There's a reason. So if in the future you end up selling the house, you want to make sure that whatever improvements or purchases or whatever you've done to the house is included or added to the original purchase of the house. So that becomes your cost basis. What does that mean? Let's say I bought my house for $200,000 at the beginning, fix it up. I put 500000 throughout the time that I owned the house to fix it up, to do whatever. So my cost for this house, my cost basis, is not the 200 It's the 200 that I originally paid plus the 500 that I put in. So my cost is 700 So if I go ahead and sell the house for a million dollars, there is a gain of 300000 that I've made, but because of the tax exemptions, I won't have to pay any tax. But let's say that I didn't keep the 500000 and I just put it on the, the tax form when I sold the house. Uncle Sam, if they pick my tax return to be audited, they come back, they say, okay, you know, Kurosh, we've picked your tax return to be audited. We noticed you sold your house for a million bucks. You certainly have the original escrow that says that you bought the house for 200. So technically, as much as we see, there is 800,000 of gain in there. And you're going to have to pay tax on part of it. If I don't have the records, if I don't have anything to prove, if I don't have at least pictures to show that, yeah, this house was a crap, you know, and I made it like a mansion, you know, then good luck to you trying to convince the IRS that you really did something to it. So those are the documents that you need to keep. Those are the important documents, you know. You don't need to keep, you know, documents that you went and bought, you know, you went to Lowe's or Home Depot and you bought, you know, 10 roses for, you know, 100 bucks. Those, you don't need to do that. But the major stuff, like, 
carpenter, plumbing, electrical, you know, roof, you know, those things that actually made the value of the house go higher, those are the things you do need to keep for the future. That is a really important tip. And that almost makes me think that we should do another podcast down the road just about new home ownership. I did not know this. This is really critical and important information. This could save people a lot of money. Absolutely. I, you know, it's like a few of my clients in San Francisco, they bought their homes in the early 1980s during the first real estate crash during that time, you know. So they bought, you're not going to believe, they bought this like huge home near Presidio, six bedrooms for a whopping $300,000, $300,000, imagine oh, that, near my. Presidio, six bedrooms, you know. And then 30 years later, she was about to retire. She didn't want to deal with the big house. The boys were out of the house. She sold it for $4 million. $4 million. Wow. imagine Wonderful. that. But throughout the time that she was living there, she made the place look nice, you know, she, you know, fixed it up because, you know, a lot of those Victorian homes need a lot of work, obviously, in San Francisco Bay Area, you know. So even though she still paid tax on the gain that she had, but at least she, you know, she jacked up the cost, proving that, yeah, I've, did, I've done all this work on this house. You know, so so she had absolutely no problem whatsoever being questioned by the IRS. So, but that's one example. But you know, I, I see that all the time. Clients always ask me what to keep, what not to keep. I got too much junk. You know, I had a, I, I used to have a neighbor in the Bay Area that I you know she asked me once to go to her attic, and interestingly enough, her husband uh, was an accountant. So so I go up to the attic. It's hot as hell and. I see boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that went back to the 1950s and 1960s. I said, not only this is a fire hazard, but my goodness, just get rid of all this junk so you don't have to deal with anything, you know. So, of course, I'm the one who ended up getting rid of the junk. But, uh, you know, that's that's something to to think about. So spring is really a good time. To deal with this thing, you don't, you know, just fix yourself a nice lemonade, you know, or a drink or whatever turns you on, you know, drinking wise and just go to your garage, go to your attic and just have fun. Just make sure you wear gloves but because those mice, they love those boxes full of paper. So be careful, but it's fun. Excellent. So the big tip of the day is file your extensions, deal with those payments, and purge. Exactly. Purge. And then you can go to your closet and also purge. You know, that's what I plan to do because one of the things that as tax preparers, what, what we see is keep that in mind, we work 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So the amount of energy that we have is out of control. Even during the night when we are trying to lay down and go to sleep, we are thinking about clients' cases. You know, So we have that energy. So when I get home the day after the tax deadline, I, I just cannot sit still. I, I got too much stuff to do. I'm, I'm blessed enough to, have, to live on an acre that I have a lot of land that I can just 
take a shovel and start digging. But you know, that that's the reality. That is the reality. Do you know? So, you know, just just do what you have to do to get rid of things and uh, then you don't have to think about it. And make sure you file an extension if you owe, if you think you are going to owe money. Because if you don't file an extension, if you fail to file an extension, not to mention not even paying, the interest and penalty starts from April 18th. So IRS is not kind when they want to calculate. They will penalize you for not filing an extension. And that also applies to corporate tax returns that also are due on April 18th. So they also have to think the same way and make payments. And my suggestion to you is make the payment electronically. Go to irsdirectpay.gov and just make the payment electronically because that way you know for sure it went through and it didn't get lost among thousands and thousands of envelopes that are going to make it to the U.S. Post Office on Tuesday and God only knows when it's going to make it to IRS or if it's going to get lost. Do it electronically. That is my suggestion to you. Excellent advice. So now before we sign off today, is there anything else you would like people to hear from you before the tax deadline? You know, be kind to your accountant. I always say that, you know, we are extremely stressed. We lack sleep. Just give your accountant a break. I'm sure he or she will be a wonderful person right after a tax deadline or probably a week after the tax deadline. Yeah, I would say it probably takes about a week to get down. So thank you so much. And everyone, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you in two weeks and we'll check in with Kurosh and see if he's gotten the rest he was looking for. Thanks so much, Caroline. I look forward to our next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Breaking the Tax Code podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode of Breaking the Tax Code and would like to receive the show notes or new episodes, visit us at moassasi.com, M-O-A-S-S-E-S-S-I.com, or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast app. 